Now that was a bit good, wasn't it? Um, there's, a, there's a piece of poetry by John Keats that begins with the line, a thing of beauty is a joy forever. It's quite evocative, isn't it? And I, I think you get a sense of it round about Christmas. Uh, December nights are closing in. It, it's cold and it's dark. And then you come into a building like this, don't you? Uh, it's not just that it's warm. It's the lights. You enjoy those. The atmosphere uh, and then the music. And you get a sense of it, don't you? A, a thing of beauty is a joy forever. Uh, heading up to tonight, I've been indulging in a bit of nostalgia. I've been thinking about some of my own experiences of music over the years, and not just, not just kind of Christmas music, although I realized uh, the past couple of weeks, this is going to be my 50th Christmas. The time flies by, doesn't it? It goes, it goes so quickly. I'm still going to put up a Christmas stocking this year, though, even though it's my my 50th one. But I, I've been thinking over the, the past couple of weeks about some of my own memories attached to various bits of music, songs, tunes. And my memories went all the way back, uh, even to school days, and to a best friend from school days. And I was remembering how our friendship started with uh, a friend, Scott, on a, on a walk back home uh, from school around a shared love of particular music. Uh, but it carries on. Uh, it carries on. Even, even to this past week, I've been listening to and enjoying some of the music of the jazz trumpeter Winton Marsalis, every exquisite note, every dramatic pause played with perfect timing, uh, a, bit like, a bit like tonight. Music, it does have a kind of way of, of catching you and then moving you, even when you're not expected, expecting it to, like few other things can. A thing of beauty is a joy forever. A thing of beauty is a joy forever, and music seems to have that kind of beauty. But I think it's actually at that point uh, that beauty and music can kind of wrong footers in a way. And for this reason, we live in a kind of modern, secular age. Cambridge if you've grown up around here, lived here for a long time, you know, Cambridge, even with all its history, and there's plenty of it around, uh, Cambridge is a kind of modern, secular history, at least in its outlook, its philosophy, its kind of worldview. It is is modern, and it's progressive. And writers know one of the things about modernity, uh, one of the things they they say its effect has been, well, well, they put it this way, it's, it's disenchanted the world. Uh, the spiritual, the magical, it's all been kind of removed. The broad view is, look, there is no kind of upstairs to human existence. There is no spiritual world. There is no God. And what that means that regardless of what we feel, even when we're listening to music, even on nights like this, whatever you're feeling, well, there is actually no soul to enchant now, what that means is, is all we are is material machines. I mean, fascinating machines. People are still fascinating. But really, all we are is just material machines. As, as another writer put it, Darwin's great achievement was to reduce the design of the universe to a product of purposeless, meaningless matter in motion. You might not want to put it as starkly as that. It wouldn't really add to the fun of Christmas morning, would it? 
You can imagine as everyone's opening their presents, big smiles on their faces, and you say, well, just remember, uh, all we are is a, is a product of purposeless, meaningless matter in motion. It doesn't really add to the joy. And yet, it, at some level, many of us think, well, well it, it's kind of true, isn't it? I mean, that is the reality. This world is all there is. What you see is what you, see is what you get. There is, there's nothing beyond taste and touch. And, and even if you were to find it a bit sad, well, well nothing really lasts, does it? Uh, nothing's going to last. Nothing that we've got. But then you feel it sometimes, don't you? You know the kind of thing, out for a walk, and maybe you see the, the wonderful colors beginning to fade from a, a glorious winter sunset. Or maybe it's when one of your babies, your son or daughter, now grown up, and they come back from university for the holidays, and they just walk past you, and you catch a glimpse of them. And they take your breath away again. You, you couldn't say it to them, though, because they'd be embarrassed and think, I think it was a bit naff. Or, or maybe it's just that piece of much-loved music as it, as it heads towards the final notes. And you begin to feel something of what Keats is talking about. A thing of beauty is a joy forever. And you kind of find yourself against your better judgment wanting it to be true. Wanting there to be something good, a, a thing of joy that really could last with you forever. It's almost like you're, you're a bit like Scrooge, if you know that old story in a, in a Christmas carol. You're, you're a bit like Scrooge. There, there is in some ways a kind of ghost that's bothering you. And you can't quite sort of push it out of your life, but but neither can you quite hold on to it either. It's, it's almost as if the beauty, music, or, or whatever it is for you has brought you just for a moment to the outside of, of a wonderful house. You know that picture up on the screen again? It, it's almost like uh, the house in this picture. Can we pop it up? You, you know what it's like? You, you come to the outside of a of a wonderful house and, and you get just for a moment to, to look in through the window on a, on a different kind of enchanted world, a different kind of home and, and you think just for a moment, oh, it does look good, doesn't it? I mean, it does look good in there. If it were possible, I would like to live in a world like that. C.S. Lewis, who was obviously formerly of, of this city, once said something like this, when I took the time to stop and consider my own wants, I began to understand a little better what I really wanted. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? What is it that we, we really want? Underneath all the things that will compete for our attention, what is it that we really want? Or as, as one of the carols we've heard tonight say, the, the hopes and fears of all the years. I wonder what those would be for you. What, what would be the, the hopes and fears 
that come to your mind when you think about what you, you really want. Christmas is a busy time, isn't it? And it's full of wants. You know that. You, you'll have been busy. You've probably been busy already around the shops. Maybe you've been busy online trying to, trying to get some of the things that you know people will want. But I think even at Christmas, and maybe perhaps especially at Christmas, there's times a bit like this where you get to stop just for a moment and at least ask the question, See, what is it we really want? And, and why do we still feel that nostalgia? And why do we still seem to ache, even in this kind of modern, secular age? Why is there still that kind of ache, that longing for, well, as Keats puts it, a, a thing of beauty that could bring joy forever? I think we, we all feel it in some ways. It, it gets expressed in different ways. The past couple of months, is, as I've been just wandering around the town at various points, and I've, I've bumped into those guys from Extinction Rebellion and all their campaigning. Maybe you've seen them as well. Maybe you've been involved with them. And I, I thought to myself, they feel it, don't they? Because they're, they're longing for a different world. And you might not agree with their particular vision. You, you might not even agree with their politics, but I think we can all begin to feel, as soon as you stop and think about it, you can begin to feel and at least understand their ambition, what they're longing for. The different end of the seriousness scale, I, I, th- I think we'll see it in other ways, even this Christmas. It's bound to be on the TV, isn't it? There's bound to be a, a bake-off Christmas special. I've not really checked, but I'm sure it's going to be on. It's become a national institution. It's even survived moving to Channel 4. My wife said she was never going to watch it again. And then as soon as it started, she loved it all, all over again. But I think as you watch the Bake Off, I, I'm, I'm persuaded. What people really want, the thing they're after, it's not so much winning the Bake Off. The real prize in the Bake Off is getting the, the Paul Hollywood handshake. That's the thing people long for. It's almost too much of them. We... We still seem to want that kind of external authority that can come and speak into our lives and say, you're okay. You're welcome. You're on the inside. And even if you you never make it to the bake-off, I can bake anything. There's still a sense of enjoying when we see someone else getting that kind of affirming validation. And I think we, we even feel it the nostalgia of it in, in the stories we love to tell and retell at this time of year. That, that old Scrooge from A Christmas Carol, he's a right misery. And yet we long for him to find that better life. And even if we've heard the story many times before, it, it brings a smile to our face when he seems to get it at the end, when he comes out into a new life, into a new home, and he's welcomed in there. And I think... I think one of the reasons we love it is because we want that for ourselves as well. It speaks to something in us. Now look, we're not the only ones. And it's not particular even to our age. I think there's a sense of it even in this final lesson that you've got on the other side of your program. It's It's not actually one of the usual lessons for a carol service, but in many ways it does seem to summarize in, in a 
kind of broad view the, the whole of the Christmas message. Uh, let me just read it out for us. It says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Paul's the one who's writing this, an early Christian. And I think he's, he's writing to people who kind of would have, whether they'd used the word or not, probably not, hadn't been coined then, but they would have understood this sense of nostalgia, this this longing for a different word, world. Some of his readers, they, they were part of his own people. And they'd had it pictured wonderfully in their Old Testament law. It kind of described a way of life that would be good, a thing of beauty that would bring joy forever. But if, if you ever read through their history in the Old Testament, you, you'll discover that in many ways, they, they always remained on the outside looking in. They never quite managed to live up to it. Others of Paul's readers, they, they weren't part of Israel. I guess they'd be like many of us in, in other ways. They, they didn't share that same kind of history. But Paul, as he's writing to them, he says, look, all of us, whoever we are, wherever we've come from culturally, we, we all go about life in the same kind of way. We try and construct our own vision for the good life. I guess some of us will be heading towards that in the coming week as the election comes. Some will imagine it more to the left. Some will imagine it more to the right. Others, it will be down the middle. And we feel if we could persuade enough people to vote for it. And then if we, if we really just worked hard enough, then perhaps we could have it. But our history seems to suggest we never quite manage. Uh, not on the big scale, not politically, not not even on the small scale personally. We, we're always people who, 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 like them in the past, we, we kind of feel like we're, we're on the, the outside. Uh, we're still on the outside looking in. Uh, Christmas remains, and you know I'm an expert because I've, I've almost had 50 of them. Um, Christmas remains one of my, my favorite times of the year. I genuinely love it. I get excited about it. I wake my children up early on Christmas morning. I, I don't wait for them in any kind of way. They're, they're lightweights. They're lightweights at getting up. But I still think you can hit Christmas at times, even if you enjoy it with a sense of regret and disappointment. I think knowing what life is like, you, you can still hit Christmas with, at times, genuine feelings of guilt. Things that have gone wrong and you know you've done them wrong. And you can still hit Christmas with that sense of nostalgia. That sense that somewhere just back here, there was a kind of better life. And somewhere, somewhere just out there, there, there is that enchanted home. But you can't quite get hold of it. And it feels slightly disappointing not to be able to get there. And yet, because we're, we're modern, we're secular, we, we remind ourselves pretty quickly that it, it, it's not real because all there is is purposeless, meaningless matter in motion. And you've you just got to live with the disappointment. But at that moment when your head drops, that old carol comes and says to you, God rest ye, merry gentlemen. 
And you think, what? What's that got to do with anything? They're funny words, aren't they? The, the comma comes after the Mary. It's God rest ye Mary, gentlemen. It, it, it's an old English phrase, and it, it really kind of means, look, God keep you or God make you happy, friends. God keep you happy, friends. And I guess the sense of it is, look, when you... What it's getting at, I suppose, is, look, when you feel disappointed with life, when life feels disappointing, it is saying, look, don't give up, friends. Don't give up just yet, because God really is the one that can bring joy forever. He can bring joy forever. All the old carols, if you, if you listen to their words, if you go back and read some, some of them, they're all saying the, the same thing. And I, and I kind of suspect that's why even people who don't go to church through the years still love coming to sing carols because they, they all sort of say, look, that other world, it is the real world. And that other home, it is your real home. And the reason we feel it at times, even in this kind of modern secular age, the, the reason we feel it is not because there's a ghost in the machine, but because it's true. Now, you might be here and thinking, well, look, it, that's all stuff and nonsense. It's just the stuff and nonsense of Christmas, isn't it? And even if it was true, how could you know and if it was true, how, how could you get into it? I mean, it's not like you can taste and touch it. Well, I suppose like any home, the only way you could get there is if someone from the inside were to come and invite you back. And that's this Christmas message, isn't it? That's what it said. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, born into a world that is look, full of laws, full of rules for the good life, and we kind of know what they are, but somehow we, we never manage to keep them. And it, it, it's not just our politicians, is it? It's, it's you and me as well. People are beginning to say our society is becoming more and more divided. We're more and more separated from each other. And the, the Bible would just add into that, that. The reason for that is really in the first place because we're separated from God because, because of the choices we've made, because of the way we live, because we've ignored him and, and turned away from him. And our, our separation from each other is really at heart just a symptom of that other separation. Uh, but God's son was born. Uh, to pay the price for our failure. That's what that word redeem means. It, it means to pay the price. How does Paul put it? So that we might receive adoption uh, to sonship, to be brought into the family home. Uh, don't be confused by that word sonship. It, it's just that in Paul's day, when he was writing, it was kind of the firstborn sons who were the ones that got the inheritance. Uh, this is kind of a, a shorthand way of saying whoever you are, male or female, old or young, if you get this, you'll be given it all. See, here's the beauty of Christmas. Here's the beauty of the Christmas message. Uh, God's son 
came to our home so that he could invite us into his home. God's son joined our family so that, so that we could join his family. God's son took on our life so that he could give it away. So that he could give it away to pay the price for, for your life and, and my life. Jesus Christ, the, the baby of Christmas, he's the one, he's the only one who can unlock the door into the home that we're, we're all longing for. 25th of December, Christmas Day, lunchtime, my tummy will be rumbling. And I want you to ask why. I know exactly what it's looking for. But over these next few weeks, uh, as you experience, uh, as you begin to enjoy uh, maybe the atmosphere of Christmas all over again, maybe as you enjoy some of the music like we've had tonight, and maybe other times you you enjoy, enjoy the music of Christmas, if you begin to experience a rumbling, a rumbling somewhere in your life for a, a thing of beauty that could bring joy forever. It's worth asking the question, why, why is that? And Christmas would say, look, the answer, uh, the answer to that rumbling, it is the newborn king. Uh, the message of Christmas it isn't sort yourself out if you want to come in because none of us are that sorted. No, the message of Christmas is here's the thing of beauty we're persuaded could bring joy forever and we'd love, we'd love to share him with you. I just imagine if that were true, I mean, if that were true, it would be something I mean, when you're back at home, if you think, do you know what, in all the busyness of Christmas, I would love to just sit down, a bit like C.S. Lewis said, I would love to, to sit down and just pause for a moment and, and think about the things I want. Uh, this little book, uh, this would be a good thing uh, to read through. Uh, we've got some copies. Why, why, not, why not grab one for free on the way out, a free gift from a Scotsman? It's good news. Why not grab one on the way out and have a reader grab me? I'd, I'd love to say hello and, and pass one on to you. Christmas is always an invitation, isn't it? It's an invitation to come in from the outside. It's, it's an invitation to join in with the songs. Actually, it's an invitation in many ways from God through Jesus to begin to experience for yourself some of the joys that the, the songs and the music and the atmosphere begin to give you a little bit of a taste for. Because we draw things to a close. We're, we're going to stand in a moment and join in with one last carol. We'll, we'll sing it together. And it's, it's a carol that says, why not? Why not again this Christmas? Listen. Listen to the message that the angels brought. Listen to the message of Christmas. The musicians are, are here. As the music begins, let's stand and we'll join in with this last carol. <laughs>